50 years ago, the late Prince Henrik of Denmark inaugurated the Danish extraction of oil and gas from the North Sea. 50 years later, on the 8th of March 2023, his son, Frederick, Crown Prince of Denmark, took part in reversing the traffic in the pipelines in a greener direction. He sent the first ever CO2 down the pipes to be stored underground, marking the beginning of a new business adventure in the global green transition. You're listening to Sound of Green, a podcast from State of Green. Each episode, we invite experts and stakeholders to convey Danish perspectives on a given challenge of the global green transition. Through decades of experience, Denmark has turned many of these challenges into opportunities. By sharing these experiences, we hope to help you do the same. In this episode, we explore what it looks like when technological development, commercial opportunity, and green ambition aligns to build a new industry up from the bottom. In recent years, a certain four-letter acronym has become a fixture of debates about the green transition. CCUS, which stands for Carbon Capture Utilization and Storage. Behind these letters and words lies an endeavor that international bodies like the IPCC panel and the EU have deemed as critical to a timely and successful global green transition. In the most basic terms, CCUS is about capturing CO2 from emission points, such as power generation or industrial facilities that use either fossil fuels or biogenic fuels, and then transporting the CO2 to a site where it's either utilized for alternative purposes, like conversion to green fuels, or stored in geological formations underground. Either way, the ultimate goal of carbon capture technology is to lower emissions by actively removing CO2 from the atmosphere. And there's a simple case to be made for doing exactly that. If you do everything that you can to save the climate, you would not make it. There is one way to make it, that is to include capturing CO2 and storing it on the ground, or removing a need for oil and gas and then using CO2 uh, utilization instead. This is Philip Fospel, an associate professor at Denmark's Technical University, who's been working with CO2, gas cleaning, and gas conversion for the past two decades. And as he explains, the current state and pace of the global green transition requires us to expand our green toolbox. There is absolutely no way to save the climate without using these type of tools. We're way past this uh, threshold that we, you know, trying and thinking, that if I just did it a bit better tomorrow, I'm probably going to save the world. But no, we are now on the, on the other side of the fence. We would need to use these technologies to get there. An important note to make here is that CCUS does not change the international consensus that renewable energy and energy efficiency are still our best and most important bets in the global green transition. However, given that we're in a time crunch and are facing a global increase in energy demand, we urgently need to develop our capacity to drive down emissions. Additionally, 
hard-to-abate sectors where complete decarbonization is prohibitively costly or technically impossible are a huge global obstacle in the transition. CCUS presents a solution to help bridge these gaps so that we can fulfill our collective goals like the ones of the Paris Agreement in time. The current state of Denmark's green transition is actually a good microcosmos of how CCUS can prove useful. Denmark has an ambitious goal of reducing greenhouse gas emissions by 70% come 2030 and reaching net zero emissions by 2050. But there are certain sectors where renewables alone won't be able to get us there, as Philip Fosbjell explains. If we look at the overall emissions from Denmark, they are in the order of like 30 to 50 million tons. It's quite low compared to many other countries. big part of it is from, uh, you could say, the energy sector that's going to be converted into renewables. But one of the things that we cannot convert so much in Denmark is the farming sector and the cement sector. Those are the two sectors in Denmark really having very few options for conversion. You can give them a lot of turb- wind turbines, you can give them a lot of green tech, but they can, and they're not going to make it because the whole concept that they're doing is to produce a product that, that creates emissions. So if we want to save the climate, you could say we have to make it up for those sectors like the cement sector and the farming sector in Denmark. CCUS presents a pathway to making it up for these hard-to-abate sectors by capturing the CO2 from their industrial processes and either storing it or using it for an alternative green purpose, their emissions can be countered. While CCS and CCU are certainly connected, they're also quite different when it comes to their respective value chains. So remember when we're talking about CCS and CCU, they're quite different. Uh, Parts of the feed chain will be quite similar. So this means like the capture part, the transport of CO2 would probably be quite similar. But what ends at the end of the feed chain, so where it goes into, is quite different, right? In the CCS feed chain, we put it underground typically. Uh, We store it somewhere where it doesn't get into the atmosphere. And the CCU feed chain, well, you convert the CO2 into something else, creating a, a valuable product. It's not the same type of uh Chemical processing is not the same type of, um, you could say, methodologies being applied. For the rest of this episode, we'll focus on CCS, the storage of CO2 in the underground, as it's the avenue that's farthest along both internationally and in Denmark. Actually, CCS technology has been around for decades, going all the way back to the 70s. Back then, it was used to enhance oil recovery. What's new and crucial to making CCS a green solution is to recognize that it must be coupled with a serious ambition to discontinue fossil fuel industries. And this is the hallmark of the Danish approach to CCS, as Philip underlines. See, this is the big issue, you know, if you look back 10 years, everybody would think, ah, this CCS thing is the same thing as coal production. That's because CCS was always put in connection to coal and, like, production of energy using fossil fuels, and that has completely turned around. There is an acceptance in Denmark that we do not use fossil energy anymore. We use CCS only to save the climate. So how far along are we in the development of CCS? The technology has 
been proven in terms of CO2 capture and has been proven in terms of CO2 transport and has been proven other places around the world in terms of CO2 storage. But but in Denmark and in the northern Scandinavia and in Europe in general, we have not seen the coupling of CO2 capture, transport and storage yet. In other words, all links of the chain are ready to go. What's missing is linking them up. And back in March, when the Danish crown prince sent down the first ever CO2 down for storage in the North Sea, a monumental step was taken to prove that it's possible. In the southern part of the North Sea lies the depleted oil field Nini West. It's here that the Danish-led Project Greensand is currently carving out a pathway to realizing a fully operative CCS value chain. Greensand is about CO2 storage, and uh, this is a storage facility basically uh, being able to use uh, the already uh, infrastructure we have out in the North Sea because we have uh, established uh, infrastructure for oil and gas. And what we want to do now is see if we can actually repurpose this you could say, popularly turn around the flow from extracting oil and gas to actually inject CO2 into the reservoir uh, so we can uh, store the CO2 permanently uh, on the ground. So removing CO2 hopefully from the atmosphere and permanently storing it in this reservoir going forward. This is Meskill. He's a representative of Project Greensand. The Greensand Consortium consists of 23 different Danish and international partners all of whom contribute with expert knowledge on all parts of the CCS value chain. From universities and research partners, to energy companies, to capturers, to shipping and offshore enterprises. For the past few years, the consortium has been working to demonstrate how the already existing gas and oil infrastructure in the North Sea can support the permanent storage of CO2. And as Mess tells it, the critical state of the climate crisis is very much a driving force behind finding a way to do CCS successfully. I mean, if you look into IPCC and some of the big energy agencies, carbon capture, utilization and storage is a very, very key break of that. And if you look specifically on the storage part, also, it's uh, it, it's quite a lot. I mean, it's, you know, d- depending on the estimates they have for net zero, it's somewhere between, you know, at least six gigatons a year you would have to store to deliver net zero by 2050. Therefore, it's a very, very key break uh, for us to deliver uh, the net zero target and the ambitions we have worldwide. I mean, there's too much CO2 in the atmosphere. And if you look at CCS, what it will do is it will permanently remove some of that. As it turns out, Denmark is an ideal location for this permanent storage of CO2 for multiple reasons. Firstly, the practicalities and timing of storing CO2 in the Danish part of the North Sea are just right. The infrastructure is there, and as the Danish government has decided to end oil and gas extraction in the North Sea by 2050, an emphasis on using the depleted oil and gas fields for CCS is a natural next step. So. To have the right CO2 storage facility in the North Sea, of course, there's something around the timing. So uh, we've extracted most of the oil and gas out there, and uh, we have a reservoir and we have an infrastructure. And also, we have the capabilities out there 
who can manage these sorts of, of uh, molecules, uh, which is very important to do in a safe way. And we have huge storage facilities uh, potential, uh, I would say. And the reason is that if you look at the underground studies done by the Danish technology uh, studies, they're showing that we have storage capacity up to maybe 700 years of emissions. Secondly, as Mess notes, the Danish subsoil has proved to hold an immense potential for CO2 storage. According to the Geological Survey of Denmark and Greenland, it's estimated that there is a potential of storing 22 billion tons of CO2 in the Danish subsoil, corresponding to approximately 700 years of Danish CO2 emissions on current levels. This makes Denmark one of the countries with the greatest storage potential in all of Europe. Thirdly, the existing infrastructure and enormous storage potential combined with Denmark's central geographical location makes Denmark well-positioned to be an off-taker of CO2 for countries like Germany and Poland with high levels of emissions but limited opportunities for storage. Thus, pursuing CCS in Denmark can support the green transition beyond Danish borders, as Meskel states. We have more than we can use ourselves. So I think we're actually really well placed to support yeah, the Central Europe in terms of storage and also reducing emissions. I think it will be a, a very important for Denmark to create this new industry and support Europe in, in, the, in the transition. One thing is potential, another is actualization. For the past three years, Project Greensand has worked towards a pilot at the Nini Westfield that would prove that it's possible to make all the parts of the CCS value chain come together. And that is no small undertaking. CO2 was captured in Belgium, liquefied, transported in custom-made vessels on custom-made ships to the Nini Westfield in the North Sea, pumped over to the rig to then be set down into the underground. When everything finally culminated in March, Greensand had broken new ground by initiating the world's first cross-border offshore CO2 storage. It was a milestone in terms of proving that CCS is a safe and logistically feasible endeavor, as Mess explains. Obviously, we've done a pilot now. We did this to make sure we can do it safely. We, uh, as the oil and gas industry, has been very focused on safety uh, in many, many years. Uh, we have a no-incident policy. It's what we live and breed uh, because people are in a harsh environment, so that's very important. I understand that it's very important also to the broader public that it actually works, and um, and and we do trust it, it works. And that's also why we've done extensive tests. Uh, and we're also going to continue to monitor this when we do it to make sure it stays there. We've broken a lot of barriers. We've transported CO2 across borders and stuff, which was not something which was possible. And we've now injected it and it seems very promising. One of the key perceived barriers of CCS, which Project Greensand has taken a big step to overcome, is figuring out how to transport the CO2 to storage sites in a safe, efficient, and green manner. Here, the consortium has been able to draw upon the Danish shipping industry, 
which has the kind of experience and ambition needed to see it through. So we're a top 10 shipping nation. Um, and that's that's pretty decent for a small country like ourselves. And, you know, Danish ship owners are truly global. This is Thomas Sulvist. He's the director for politics and analysis at the industry organization Danish Shipping. And like he says, Denmark is among the world's leading shipping nations. Every five minutes, a Danish-operated ship calls at a port somewhere in the world, contributing to connecting markets and keeping world trade flowing. And they play an important part in making the green transition happen by building and servicing offshore wind parks all over the world. Denmark has for a number of years been very, very progressive on the, on the green agenda. Uh, when it comes to the green transition of the of the maritime sector or the shipping sector. So we have ambitions on our own behalf, but we also have, have ambitions on our international colleagues' behalf. And, I, and that obviously has not gone unnoticed. Danish authorities and shipping companies are at the forefront of the green transition, pushing for climate action and ambitious global regulation towards net zero shipping. Big players like Mask are leading the way with ambitious strategies and Dan Unity CO2, a partner in Project Greensand, has developed the world's first carbon capture and storage-specific shipping entity. The shipping industry's engagement in developing green solutions, as well as the success of Project Greensand, represents a clear signal that sectors traditionally associated with the fossil fuel industry are ready and able to take part in the green transition. CCS presents an opportunity for them to take on new roles. This is also the perspective that Thomas Sylvest has from his seat at the industry organization. We represent the storage operators. Uh, secondly, um, we represent the hopefully uh, coming transporters of CO2, so the maritime transportation issue. And thirdly, we represent the let's call it the, uh, the, um, the parallel service industry. So today, a lot of uh, maritime operators, a lot of ship owners service the existing oil and gas platforms in the North uh, Sea. What we are hoping for is that that particular part of the service industry will uh, transcend one-to-one to, uh, to uh, the, uh, the future storage sites. As he sees it, CCS could come to play a key part in consolidating the green transition of these sectors. The existing oil and gas industry is slowly but surely transcending towards a more wider energy picture, and CCS is part of that solution. And I think any maritime transportation connected to um, the existing oil and gas industry will also transcend into CCS. So we're hopefully hoping um, both for a, a new commercial area, but we're also hoping for a, a transition from a, let's call it a, um, a fossil fuel-based industry to a, a greener transcendence. The future that Danish shipping is envisioning for CCS is one where commercial expansion and green transformation work in tandem to support both business and political ambitions. I think the dream scenario is that the CCS market and the transportation of CO2 uh, evolves in a direction which is on par with, with uh, let's call it more classical gas transportation. So basically that it's not necessarily one ship going back and forth between two two fixtures uh, on a regular basis, but it's more contract by contract uh, or cargo by cargo. 
because that will mean that the the um, that the industry has reached a scale where this is possible and where this is feasible commercially as well, both for the storage operator, for the capture side, but also for the maritime transporter. I think what follows from uh, what I just said in terms of, of uh, volume and scale is that uh, you would also reach a level of climate mitigation, uh, which would follow on par with political ambition. So I think it, that would be a win-win. However, before this dream scenario can become reality, CCS needs to become solidified as an industry. As CCS stakeholders are standing on the cusp of building a new industry, they face a long list of challenges and questions. But perhaps none is bigger than the classic chicken and egg problem, as Philip Fospel puts it. Who starts out? Who, who dares to take the biggest risk on this? Uh, so it's quite classical that, you know, you have these two sides of the table that, you know, you have the people that wants to remove the CO2 out of the industries, could be the cement sector, but you also have on the other side of the table, the people that needs to use it, like stored on the ground, converted to something else. And I can guarantee you, each of the side of the table sits there and waits on the other part to take, you know, the first step. Who who dares to, you know, to build a capture plan if there's nobody to take all that CO2 and who dares to, you know, build a big CO2 infrastructure if there's nobody producing the CO2 for you. In Denmark, this is not a new dilemma when it comes to the development of green industries. These same questions also arose in the early days of the Danish wind industry that has since become the hallmark of Denmark's green transition. A big part of solving the dilemma then was political support. A strong policy backbone was what created the security which allowed for risk-taking. For instance, it allowed the Danish shipping industry to transition to take on a central role in the offshore wind industry. In line with uh, with other parts of the Danish supply chain for offshore wind, I think the Danish maritime part of that supply chain uh, developed with the with the proliferation of offshore wind in Denmark, and it was a natural step and natural progression, uh, combined with a new business area, combined with uh, public-private partnerships, combined with uh, political ambition, um, that led to you know the let's call it the investment and the sort of the um, the forward-looking thinking from from ship owners that this was an industry that was worthwhile uh, taking, let's call it the gamble on, <laughs> at that stage at least. Here, Thomas points to another cornerstone in Denmark's approach to industry building and development, public-private partnerships. Denmark in general, whether it's you know more traditional industry, whether it's offshore wind, whether it's CCS, whether it's the maritime sector, have had a long-standing tradition uh, with public-private partnership. And I think that makes for a very, very cohesive, but also um, uh, let's call it prosperous environment in terms of of, uh, of raising the profile of certain industries. And I think CCS would be a, an obvious choice uh, for something that we uh, as Denmark AS, if you will, or Denmark Incorporated, uh, should be looking at uh, for our, for our next um, sort of green adventure. Crucially, any public-private effort relies on an agreement that the work of raising the profile of an industry is aimed at a mutual benefit of safe business development on the private side and socio-economic prosperity on the public side. 
the, let's call it the contract between government and, and business of saying that, you know, we will uh, support an industry, not by you know, providing you money, but with providing you with a, with a regulatory framework, which can spur your, your industry on. But, but when we do that, when we sort of invest political capital in this particular industry, and that goes for CCS, offshore wind, the shipping sector, et cetera, we have a, an expectation that you will also help us out in terms of creating jobs. That contract is currently underway in Denmark. Since 2020, the Danish government has presented plans for frameworks, tenders, subsidies, and direct funds to enable the CCS industry. And if the industry takes off, that political investment may very well translate to significant socio-economic benefit. An analysis from the Danish consultancy Kaka Advisory has estimated that a European CCS market could reach a total economic value of between 60 and 134 billion euros. And that means potential growth and jobs for any country that decides to take part in the adventure. Political willingness, coupled with a clear opportunity for job creation, is part of what has made Project Greensand and their achievements possible. For the Greensand Consortium, the socio-economic business case is an important part of their mission, both in terms of creating new jobs, but also keeping the integrity of the workers in the existing offshore industry intact, as Mesgill explains. So you have people who have worked in this industry for many years, they're proud of what they do, but now they can be part of actually turning this around, be part of the climate agenda, actually support on that, while maintaining their jobs instead of actually now taking down some infrastructure and facility we already have available out there. So it's really about repurposing also these competences, the people, which is everyone from electricians to Smith and everything else. So I think it's really important to to actually make sure that that uh, we give this a really good shot. To be clear, throwing political support behind a new industry, and especially one as technically and politically complex as CCS, is not uncomplicated. There are many relevant questions to be asked and answered in terms of securing the viability and sustainability of the entire endeavor, from the capture plants to transport to storage, as Philip Fosbull points out. How do we make sure that uh, the criteria are set the right way for these plants? Can we make sure that they can produce without creating too much waste? Will we be able to transport CO2 across borders without too much paperwork and hassle? How do we account for the CO2 having been captured in one country, stored in another country? Importantly, one of the ways to get smarter is learning by doing. Investing in projects like Greensand is thus key to generate new experience, as Mesquiel can attest to. There will be learnings around, you know, it's a completely new way of working compared to, for instance, oil and gas, because this is now about taking a product and we are basically now uh, turning around the customer relationship in this. So that's a new way of working, of course, commercially. But what also is more important technically is that there's a lot of new ways of handling CO2. We need to mature a bit more. So uh, it was a real learning for us. You know how to manage the CO2, how to how it reacts. You know, and the you know CO2 is cold, for instance, versus we're used to handling warm stuff. 
that means something in terms of the integrity of the pipelines, the pumps, you know, how we do everything out there is slightly different. So all the way through this, there's quite a lot of learnings we have picked up. Another key lesson that the CCS adventure reflects is the fact that technology development takes time. In debates about the green transition, it's often said that we in many cases have the solutions ready at hand to make it happen. As mentioned, CCS has been in our arsenal for decades. But it's also taken decades to get to a point where it's a viable green solution with political backing. As Philip Fospel states, this fact should be integrated in the way that we think of the urgency that drives the green transition. We talk about technology readiness levels in, in technology development, and typically every step takes one and a half years. So we often, from I get a great idea on my couch until it ends up somewhere actually being a real thing, it takes 15 years. So this means like we need to realize that technology development takes decades, and we need to start in the right time, and the right time is now. Actually, it was yesterday, right? At this moment, we seem to be reaching a threshold in the journey to realizing the potential of CCS, particularly in Denmark. And as Thomas Sylvest explains, the international attention that the progression of the agenda in Denmark attracts shows the value of being a first mover. There's definitely uh, there's definitely a buzz uh, going on with regards to CCS. The tenders, the targets, the general conversations about CCS as a climate mitigating uh, solution has gained a lot more traction over the last six to twelve months, and and it's definitely uh, it's definitely moving in the right direction. For instance, Southeast Asian nations are, uh, are looking to Denmark with regards to uh, to CCS as a climate mitigating uh, technology, and are looking also towards maritime transportation and going okay. So, um, so I mean, what, what can you do for us? Um, and I think that's where the first mover effect definitely shows its true value. With Project Greensand, it's now been proven that the CCS value chain can be linked up successfully. For the Greensand Consortium, this hopefully sends a message that'll have the kind of resonance that'll inspire international cooperation. We have showcased now that it's possible to do, uh, and I think that's actually the main message that it is possible and it's coming uh, in terms of the stories is is coming and will be available. So I think it's really important now that the capture parts around Europe, that some of the big emitters also think about how can we create partnerships across these value chains to make this work and happen. CCS, as well as CCU, only really work as green solutions and business opportunities if they're part of an international conversation. We also need the international perspective to try and sort of uh, make the outside world gauge that there is uh, perspectives for for CCS or carbon capture storage, uh, whether it's storage of CO2, whether it's the uh, production of carbon uh, intensive fuels. Um, But we also need them to understand that there is, you know, that the climate mitigation sort of goes hand in hand with with business opportunities that will benefit, you know, our international partners as well. So, uh, so I think that's a really, really important point that we would like to uh, to get across for to our international colleagues. In the end, the success of CCS, CCU, and other green business adventures waiting to take off depends on partnership. 
It depends on the ability of the public and the private sector to come together to forge a path to a viable, sustainable, and feasible solution. And the importance of this kind of bold partnership can hardly be overstated. So, Philip, as a scientist, are you pessimistic or optimistic about CCS and the future of the global green transition? I know we can do it. I know we can do, we can save the climate. But I have to be quite clear in saying it requires political incentives and requires risk-taking from the industry. If those two don't come in play, we will not make the target. It's not going to be an easy game, but I'm pretty sure if everybody looks to existing solutions, there is a global solution. For more stories and solutions from the Danish green transition, visit our website, stateofgreen.com. Here, you can dive deeper into Denmark's approach to creating a sustainable society and connect with the solution providers that make it possible.